This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, people, it is game day or game night, depending on what you want to call it. But uh, the Bills are playing football tonight at 815 against the division rival New England Patriots as they begin a critical three game stretch in the division that will largely shape their chances on whether or not they emerge as division champions for a third straight season. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker here with you on Thursday on One Bills Live. Steve, uh, bright and sunny here today in the New England area. No precip to speak of tonight. No wind to speak of, which a couple of days ago was potentially a factor in the forecast here for this Thursday night game. But looking like five to eight miles per hour. So it doesn't look like weather is going to present itself as a factor in this game tonight. And that's good because it was, it was raining cats and dogs here yesterday when we arrived. Same, same here was raining here yesterday, but if it's going to be nice weather tonight uh, for this bills Patriots game in Foxborough, just two words, man, let's go. (laughs) Just go, man. Just play. The, 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 Better the conditions, the more it favors the better team. The Bills are the better team. They got the better quarterback. They're probably, at least offensively, healthier than the Patriots are offensively. The Patriots got some problems with their offensive line they're struggling with. Yeah. Uh, Their defense is getting healthier. There's two important players that are not going to play tonight for the Bills. No, No question about it. And there are two players, important players, that are at money positions. Left tackle and pass rusher. I mean, if you're talking about the hierarchy of what what positions are the biggest, most important positions on a football team, it's quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, corner. The Bills are getting a corner back tonight. Probably uh, Trey White is probably going to get a few more snaps tonight. He's going to be a bigger part of the mix. They're healthy back there. Vaughn Miller's out. Deion Dawkins is out, but Josh Allen's coming in fully healthy. So... Uh, the Patriots, on the other hand, are missing a couple of tackles already. And there's a question mark about one of the backups, right, Brownie? The uh, the kid with the calf injury yeah. now. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we just learned today that they're adding Trent Brown, their starting left tackle to the injury report, due to an illness. He probably woke up and was sick, and they had to add him to the injury report. He's listed as questionable for Come tonight's on, game. If that guy doesn't have 110 well, temperature, he's playing. I would assume so, but how effective is he going to be if he feels like garbage? You know what I mean? You got to go <laughs> 60, 65 snaps against a rotational defensive end group that is healthier for the Bills this week, even without Miller, because it was a two for one deal where it looks like they're going to get A.J. Epinesa and Greg Rousseau back in the rotation with Boogie Basham and Shaq Lawson. Right. So it's a two for one. You get two back, even though you lost Miller due to his knee injury from last week. So. You're going to be rolling those guys through, and Trent Brown's got to play, you know, 60, 65 snaps tonight. Is he going to be at his best all the way through? I I kind of tend to doubt it if, you know, he's got some kind of a flu bug or something and he's hurling on the sidelines. Um, And then the right tackle, we already know is out. Isaiah Wynn, he's not going to play tonight. Yadni Kiyust is usually his backup, but he's questionable coming into the game with a calf injury that's had him limited in practice all week. So if he plays, is he at his best? So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how they put the line together. The The word is that David Andrews is going to play their starting center. And 
as we heard from Ben Volin, who was on the show earlier this week, the offensive line tends to function a whole lot better when Andrews, the veteran center, is in the lineup as opposed to Kirk Ferentz, who's a much younger and less experienced player. Well, and he's had to spell him a couple of times this year already, and that line has looked god-awful uh, when David Andrews isn't in there. Well, it's the same with the Bills and then getting now going to get uh, you know Mitch Morse back in the lineup. So uh, right. getting healthier, they always look better when the center's there, uh, especially an experienced center like Morse. So, yeah, both we can speak to that on both sides of the equation uh, for Buffalo and for the New England Patriots. I, uh, it, it always helps as well when – uh, you can get a guy at center, and what happens is the center, <clears throat> what they do is, for those of you who don't know, the center makes some calls that get that designates people on the defensive line that either uh, that that line it out for the, his other line mates, for the guards and for the tackles, so they know what the center sees, and they all see it the same way. Whether it's right or not, at least they all see it the same way. So if they make a mistake, they all make a mistake together. Um, And they'll only leave one guy running free instead of two guys running free. Um, You'll see, too, that it's the way it it should work is if there's like six guys at the line of scrimmage, it doesn't mean six guys are rushing. And if they only rush four, you've got those four picked up no matter what. And that's, that's the key to it. Uh, if only for even if they you know they do this thing like the Patriots do and or that the center sets what they're all looking at and sometimes it's hard to do, but when you got a guy like Mitch Morris, a lot of times because of his experience and his film study and his depth of knowledge about what this team has done in the past and what they will do and what he sees on film, he gets it, he gets it right more often than he gets it wrong, and that's a huge plus. So both these teams are going to be really happy to get their starting centers back. Right. And again, referencing our interview with Ben Volin from the Boston Globe earlier this week when he kind of told us Ramondre Stevenson is the engine that powers this offense. Steve, I watched two games of the Patriots last night, including that offensive debacle against the Jets that finished with a punt return touchdown by the Patriots in the waning seconds to win 10 to three. My God, that game set offensive football back about 30 years. It was dreadful to plow through my God, I, I had to watch the condensed version. I couldn't even watch it right. play by play with two to the sideline view followed by the end zone view. I didn't want to watch it that badly, <laughs> but you watch that game, Steve, and against a quality defense, which we know the jets have, I thought it would be worth watching because an approach could be similar tonight against a quality bills defense. And Ben Volin is dead on the mark. I mean, without Ramondre Stevenson, the offense is even worse than it already was. That guy makes more yards on his own than I've seen. And then I looked it up, Steve. He's leading the league. He averages three and a half yards after contact as a rusher that leads the NFL because his blocking has been so god-awful. He's got to do it himself, quite literally. Well, we the Bills have been through this before, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, with, with Hunt from the... Uh, Cleveland Browns, Browns, where they've got to run it, and they're really good at it, and you got to kind of bear up and get ready for it. So, you know, it's not going to be much different tonight, although this, in the Jet game, let's face it, Brownie, Patriots were under no pressure to do anything different than what they were doing because the Jets couldn't move the football either because of Zach Wilson's strides. Right. So, and it's going to be – and it, go back to last year in the in the wind game when – 
the Bills offense couldn't throw it because of the wind, and the defense couldn't get them off the field offensively uh, in the run game. They threw it three times. So the Patriots are only going to do what you force them to do. So if you can't get them out of the run game, Bills fans know this better than any fan base when it comes to the Patriots. You're going to – they're not going to stop doing that. So well, they're yeah. only going to have to – And the only way to – Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. They're only, the only way you get them to do anything other than what they want to do is to stop it and get a lead and force them into a place where they got to do something yeah. different than they want to do. That, that's what I was going to say. You, as long as you're scoring points, that will eventually pull them out of whatever their game plan is because their general game plan is hold the opponent to under 20 points and play conservative offensive football and hope you can find some hidden yards and special teams or via takeaways and try to win the football game that way. And that's why the New England Patriots this season, with their 6-5 and five record, are 6-0 and oh when they hold their opponent under 20 points, and they're 0-5 oh when their opponent scores more than 20 points. You score more than 20 points tonight, unless you make stupid mistakes and turn the football over, you should win the football game going away. That's right. Um, and, you know, when you say turn the football over, one of the things about it, and this is it's, it's the ancient conversation you always have when you have an offense that scores a lot of points and throws the football all over the yard is turnovers. Yeah, you put the ball at risk. Uh, and uh, this just, you know, the last three games, the Chiefs have turned it over more than the Bills have. And the Bills have, and we've been harping on how much the Bills have turned it over and how big a factor that's been in their struggles. The Chiefs have turned it over even more than the Bills have in the last three games. Uh, that's just what you live with when you're doing it the way the Bills are doing it and the way the Chiefs are doing it, the way these teams that are scoring a lot of points are doing it. If you don't do that, if you don't turn it over, the other team is all, all of a sudden a, a, a team like the Patriots. They're in desperation mode for three quarters of the game. If you bust out, they struggle to score early in games. Uh, and if, they, if they're down by any significant amount, they don't have the firepower or the people or the quarterback, for sure, to come back and sling it out with you. So the key to this, if you want to get into this thing and and put the Patriots on notice, you know, you score early and then get a double-digit score and say, okay, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now to get back well, in it? Yeah, and the Patriots have proven they can't get back in it because in the fourth quarter they have been unable to stage a game-tying or a game-winning drive all season long. And right. – you look at Mac Jones statistics, Steve, we remember this guy was like a darling of the league last year as a rookie quarterback. Oh my God. He's the best guy in the class. Look at what he's doing. And he was having a good season last year. Now his talent is limited in scope, but Josh McDaniels was very effective in harnessing and catering the offense to his strengths. And, you know, he had a good defense to play with, uh, which had got off to a flying start and, you know, they had a great record at the start of the season and they faded in December. And, you know, you look at them now, there is very little margin of error for them at six and five. And their schedule is going to get considerably tougher with their opponents coming up, including Buffalo tonight. And I, I don't know about you, but I was stunned when I saw Mac Jones six passing touchdowns all season. I know he's missed two games. But six passing touchdowns in nine games, and he's got seven interceptions. And listen to this. All seven of his interceptions, Steve, this season 
have come in the fourth quarter. That's why well, they are incapable when they're behind to come from behind and win a football game late. They can't do it. Yeah, and you can tell he throws his interceptions when they've got a score to win, get back in games. Plus, their red zone offense, we've been talking about it all week, stinks. They can't score touchdowns. 31st. Yeah, so they're, you know, all this speaks to their ability of their defense to kind of hang in there. The, listen, the Patriots desperately want this game to stay close throughout. Because well, they need it. Yeah. They've got to have it stay close throughout. If you get up 10 points on them, then it's just a ticking time bomb because sooner or later they're going to have to get to a point where they got to score a bunch. Now, if you get up if you get up 10 points on the Patriots in the first half, they're not going to change what they're doing because there's still plenty of time to get a touchdown and then it's close again. But if you go up three scores, the clock gets shorter and the desperation window gets longer. But that's the key to it. Now, it's not going to be easy. Their defense is legit. I mean, they're very well-schooled. They're disciplined. We've all seen it a million times. This team doesn't make mistakes. But if the Bills go in there like they have in the last couple of matchups with the Patriots, and the Patriots can't get them off the field, and the Bills don't punt, I mean, this is going to, it's going to be a laugher, and it's going to be a laugher quick. Yeah. For some reason, I, I don't see it going that way. I, I think don't the, the Patriots will do everything in their power to keep it close, so that means probably top-down defense. Let the force the Bills to have enough consistency in the execution of their offense to go 12, 13, 14 play drives before they put points on the board. Force them to nickel and dime it all the way down the field. Nothing cheap, nothing deep. That's going to be their approach. And then bow up in the red zone and hope you can force a field goal. That's really going to be New England's approach defensively tonight. They're not going to give them anything. Uh, in terms of big plays, if they can help it. Well, and yeah, that's right. That's how they That's how they will try to stay in the game. And, you know, if you get out of the first or second quarter and you're only down 10 nothing, that's a win for the Patriots, as right. they would see it, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if you get up by more than that in, the, in halftime or whatever, if, you, if it, you know, the game wears on, they're going to have to, you know, put their foot on the gas because then it becomes a possession game. And they've got to count how many times they're going to possess the ball again. And, yeah, so... Uh, then things change. But you're right, Brownie. This is a game where I think if the Bills can be efficient, stay on the field offensively, and really put the screws to their offense and force their offense to keep up, it's huge. But it's been difficult. It's going to be difficult. Uh, They're going to have a – I think it's going to be interesting to see what the Patriots think about the Bills' offense, whether they're going to try and pressure Josh and how many guys it's going to take them to do that or – whether they're going to sit back and let Josh throw into coverage with a three-man rush with a spy who's going to come up and just try and hem him in, keep him in the pocket, uh, and, and throw it. Last year, and we've seen highlights of this all week when we've been talking about this, where in last year's game in Foxborough when the Bills didn't punt and Isaiah McKenzie had that huge game, highlight after highlight after highlight is Josh standing back there as long as he wants to looking around for somebody to throw it to. That, to me... You're asking for it because the longer the play goes with Josh not being pressured, I mean, I think they really test his poise and his patience when that, because it's hard to stand back there with the ball in your hand knowing guys are chasing you and you just don't have anything to worry about. It, you know, and just dare him to come back and sack you. And last year, Josh just stood back there with nobody around him and picked him apart. Um, I think the, I don't think the Patriots thought he could do that to them. 
And of course, you know, he proved he could. Do they try that again? Uh, thinking Josh is, uh, you know, a new I, offensive coordinator. It hasn't been going that good. The receivers uh, outside of Diggs aren't good enough to get open like they were a year ago. We're a little better maybe in the back end than we were a year ago. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they think about that, don't you think? I mean, I, I, I'm really interested yeah. to see how they treat Josh. Here's the thing. You know, you referenced the McKenzie game, you know, 11 catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. And he's going against the exact same guy tonight. Yeah. Miles Bryant was the nickel corner last year due to injury. And Isaiah McKenzie was the slot receiver due to Cole Beasley coming down with COVID. Fast forward to this year, you have the exact same matchup. Bryant is the starting nickel corner this year. And McKenzie's the starting slot receiver. You gonna man him up on that guy after what he did to him last year? I don't. I don't know. I don't know if you can afford to do that. Yeah. He's good. You you want to play safe defense and say, "Hey, beat us all the way down the field." But okay, uh, Isaiah will hit you for six or eight yards all the way down the field. Like if you want to play that game, because he can get separation on Miles Bryant. He proved it last year. There's no reason to think he can't do it again this year. Not to mention the fact that you got less experienced guys on the outside. Uh, you know, Jonathan Jones has been in the league for seven years, but he's playing outside for the first time this season. By all accounts, he's having a nice season. But him on Stefan Diggs, I'll take that seven days out of seven. Now they play. Um, do they not play a lot of man? I've, I mean, they play. They play man. Yes, as Greg Cosell told us last week, not as much as they did last year. And I think it's because they know they don't have the guys that can man up and go all game like that. Um, yeah, you have a nice pass rusher in Matt Judon, and you got a good situational rusher on the other side in Uche. But, I mean, you got problems in terms of the matchups. I expect them to play a fair amount of zone tonight and, you know, hope they can make tackles short of the sticks Yeah, most of the evening. And, you know, they still play the three-safety look with Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar, who kind of serves almost as a hybrid linebacker safety type, you know, and McCourty in center field. But they play – the reason they play the three-safety look, Steve, is they don't have the athletes at linebacker to put them on the field in a base defense. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's something They use else. Duggar was... as a third linebacker because they don't have a linebacker that can cover anybody. And I got to tell you, Steve, I, tell me what you think about this. With these linebackers, the two that are on the field, usually Jawan Bentley um, is the main guy that's on the field at all times. He's kind of their – Tremaine Edmonds, and he's nowhere near the athlete. Um, and then they have Jelani Tavai, who's the new addition this year. He's a little more athletic, but he's not hes not a Matt Milano. Um, what do you think about getting guys like Hines and Cook out of the backfield yeah. and matched up on these linebackers tonight? I like that matchup a lot. I do, too, and I, I, I get where you're coming from. You're, you're, you're exactly right. You're exactly down the road I was headed towards not just, you know, getting those guys out of the backfield and getting them on those guys one-on-one, -on -one, but also running right at them. Um, a lot of times, particularly with a guy like Matt Judon, he's a really good player. Sometimes when you get a good passer, a team used to try this early in his career and, and even later in his career, they'd try this once in a while on Bruce when I was playing, is they get a big run game and they run right at the guy. They run right at the big the the kingpin like a Matt Judon or Bruce Smith or somebody. One of these defensive they don't usually usually do it to a defensive tackle because those guys do that. But on you get a guy like that, like with Dallas's Micah Parsons, 
they take the ball, hand it to the running back with a guy with a with the point of attack going right at the pass rusher of your opponent. And if you get, you know, Hines on the field or even Devin Singletary on the field or Cook on the field and you show that a couple of times and you you know, you got power running game, I I you kind of want to bear up against this and I know it kind of plays into their you know, into what would work for them defensively, the Patriots, is to run at them, uh, to take the ball out of Josh's hands. But, man, oh, man, if you can make some hay in a running game against this defense with Josh and those guys in, in the secondary and then release, like if you're handing it off to James Cook and then all of a sudden you turn him loose on a pass route against those guys, that's a real problem for them matchup-wise. Um I'm right with you, Brownie. I think I think the running backs and tight ends in this game could be enormous for the Bills' offense. Um, I mean, with as with as vulnerable as the belly of their defense looked at the second level last week against Minnesota, I mean they were carving them up between the numbers in the middle of the field. I, I gotta believe Coach Dorsey sees that and says, "Man, I got a guy that runs four three eight and another guy that runs four four two. I, if I can scheme a way to get them on a linebacker, we're going to win all night long. Yeah, I agree with that. I and um, it, it'll be interesting too because the Patriots will have a plan for it. It'll be see you know how do they match up personnel wise. They may they may go light and go nickel and stuff if they put two running backs on. If they put Singletary and Cook on, or Singletary and Hines, or Hines and Hines and Cook, whatever, whatever the combination you want to pick, it'll be interesting to see how they match up to that. It'll also be interesting to see how they match up against Dawson Knox and Quentin Morris on the field well, at the same time. Right. You know, and that's, but that's the other thing too, because you say, all right, if you're going to split Hines or cook out, whether you line them up out there at the, at the snap, at the line of scrimmage, or how are they going to pull them out of the backfield? Him? How are they going to treat them? Yeah. Are you going to put, yeah, are you going to put Duggar on him? Okay. You want to put Duggar on him. That means you got to put a linebacker on the tight end, unless I mean I know they got the three safety look. Maybe you bring another safety up, but then that means you're single safety high, and you know we'll take our shots. So to me, it's it's a personnel problem for them because of the weapons that the Bills can deploy. You you may have the running back covered with Duggar, and you may have the tight end covered with Phillips, but that means McCourty's all by himself, single safety high with Diggs and Davis running down there. So right. to me. I, I think whatever New England comes up with in terms of the matchups, I still like the Bills' answers. <laughs> yeah, it'll it's going to come down to being able to protect Josh. It'll be, you know, he's got to have time to pick it apart and throw to it. Um, that's going to be huge. Uh, Matt Judon's going to be a problem. Kessenberry's going to have his work cut out for him. You're going to have to have somebody, whether it's Cook, Singletary, Knox, Quentin Morris, Reggie Gilliam, name it. Somebody's going to have to be helping Kessenberry on Judon or helping Spencer Brown on Judon, one or the other. Uh, so that's you know that's going to be a, something that's got to be you know you got to take that into account because the defense will know that either you're going to chip on Judon and take a guy out of the pass pattern for a minute, or he, Judon's going to make it you know going to is going to shorten the clock that Josh has to throw. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I like the matchups. That's all I'm going to say. Um, we got a full show for you today. We'll have field Yates from ESPN coming up in just about 10 minutes time. We'll get to him for your ultimate fantasy lineup. 
uh, presented by FanDuel, as we do every week for you, as we're getting close to playoffs for fantasy footballers. And we also have a day early, the OBL fan mailbag open because the game is tonight. So any questions you have on the Bills or the league at large, fire them off to us at One Bills Live on Twitter, or you can give us a call at 803-0550-1888-550-2550. Steve, the other thing that I wanted to kind of discuss with respect to the game um, is the fact that this is going to be, for the Bills, the fourth game in 19 days. Four games in 19 days. Now, I will say this. The players, they've been kind of bouncing around this hotel. They they have energy. I'm not I'm not looking at them saying, oh, man, these guys look dog tired. They have a, a spring in their step, and I have to believe it's because after playing two games in five days, it probably seems like an eternity to get all the way back to this Thursday for another one. Yeah, uh, this is – I think the schedule now, seeing as how they came off two straight wins on a Sunday to Thursday uh, to get them back in the saddle and the win column – it, it's got to feel good to them, but this is also, I think, a really good spot for them to to take on these next three division opponents, you know, the Patriots, Jets, Dolphins in a row with this game now after a full week's rest and then get the mini bye and then a home game, yeah. two home games. Uh, huge. Uh, huge. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the other part of it, right? I mean, it's not only four games in 19 days. It's three in a row on the road to yeah. – yeah. Uh, that's just that's a ridiculous stretch, which is why I've kind of been forgiving of some of the things that haven't gone particularly well in their games the last couple of weeks. Still in all, they've got two wins out of the three. You win three out of the last four games and you played them in a span of 19 days and three of them were on the road. I'm sorry. I'm tipping my hat to every dang right. guy on the roster right. and the coaching staff, for that matter. Right. Now, they got the Minnesota game at home, but then they played Cleveland. It was it was designated as a home game. It wasn't a home game. In yeah. Detroit, in Detroit, and in New England. Uh, and then you get a couple of home games, that, that's, which is going to be great. But you're right. I, th- I think the fact that they got through that the way they did, and it sets them up for these next couple of weeks, I mean, they got to play well. But having a full week before this Thursday night game for the Patriots is it's awesome. I mean, it couldn't have worked out better yeah. given the fact that they've won those two games. And and this is this will just prove to you how there is no rhyme or reason to player injuries in this game. The Bills are more beat up in the part of the season where there is more recovery time from one game to the next. And in this stretch in which they are going to play four games in 19 days, the injury list is actually shorter right now, knock on wood, coming out of this stretch where you've played more games in a shorter period of time. To me, that defies logic, but nobody's complaining as this roster is significant health, significantly healthier. Let's, uh, let's quickly go to the phones here before we go to break. Want to get Jason in Toronto on, who's been waiting patiently. Jason, what do you got for us? You're on One Bill's Live. Hey, guys. I'm so Thank you very much for having me on. I'm a, a big-time fan. I uh, started... Uh, uh, being a Bills fan back when Flutie was the quarterback and my, you know, the way we've been let down year over year over year until we became really good, obviously over the last four or five years, till Sean McDermott and, and uh, uh, Brandon Bean came over. But um, the, uh, so the first letdown was when they benched Flutie. Sorry. I'm still upset about that. 
But anyways, um, <laughs> I just wanted to, to ask you guys about, like, you know, I'm so excited about our team. We look, uh, with all the challenges, the, the injury issues we've had, uh, over the handful of last handful of weeks and the schedule issues that you guys have just mentioned and, and then the snowstorm and everything kind of like, you know, throwing things, you know, up in the air right. with the scheduling and it throws people off. I'm just wondering, like, um, you know, is, do you think our team, the way we were heading into the season, like we're still intact and we're still going to be a dominant force? Or do you think we're starting to show some serious cracks in terms of, um, uh, you know, like with Mitch Morris, for example, being out and Josh Allen's elbow, like, do you think we have cause for concern or do you think uh, things are kind of heading in the right direction and we're going to be healthy and kind of back to being dominant? Because I feel like we're squeaking wins out against average teams when we should be pumping them. Yeah, there's a lot in that question, Jason, but uh, I'll say this. No, I think they're the exact team you thought they were going to be. I think the injuries that have riddled through the roster, the fact that they've seen, we've seen them sprinkled through almost every position group. Linebackers have been hurt. Tremaine Edmonds has been in and out. The defensive line tackles and ends have been riddled with injuries at different times. You've had the corners, of course, going in and out. Now you've got uh, Christian Benford, who's on IR for four weeks. And now, you know, Dane Jackson, uh, Kyrie Elam, now Trey White's getting back in the lineup. Day, uh, uh, Micah Hyde, the safeties, they, they've been in and out of the lineup. We've seen that as well with the injuries that have gone back and forth. Him and Poyer. Poyer now is back in getting better. Offensive line, same thing. Guys have been sprinkled in and out of the lineup. Wide receivers, you know, Kumro's been injured. You've had uh, uh, defensive ends. Defense, yeah, the defensive ends as well. Uh, so, it, it, you know, yes, the fact that the the injuries have hit almost every single position group on the club and they've still managed an eight and three record, and really, you know, squandered a nine and two record uh, with the Minnesota game uh, three weeks ago. This is a team that is exactly exactly what you thought they were going to be. Now, certainly, there are certain aspects of it that we'll never know the real effect of how all these injuries played into the production of certain position groups. Whether Gabe Davis would have had a better year had the offensive line been a little better or been a little healthier, or uh, the running backs, uh, the tight end, you know, all this stuff is a ripple effect. But I think this is the team we thought it was going to be. It's exactly the team we thought it was going to be. I don't yeah. think it's the same. You know, I think uh, Ken Dorsey's effect is going to have to be looked at in a big picture kind of throw mode after the season. What he do differently than than Dayball did? What will he learn from it? How will he change going forward? How he'll, will he change week to week? All these are questions to be answered. But I think this is the exact team. We thought it was going to be when this season started. They are the team to beat. Uh, and the only team that really has a great shot of beating them every week is themselves. Right. And then the only thing I'll add to that is, you know, he asked about Josh Allen's elbow and what's the status. I think all we have to go off of is his practice participation. And this week, for the first time since he injured the elbow in week nine, he practiced on a full-time basis, which means he took every single rep that was not the case in the previous three weeks so if we go off of that I think it's logical to at least assume not definitively know but assume that his elbow is as healthy as it's been since the injury and maybe even fully healthy because they did say it would heal in time and they've done their best to you know not overtax the elbow so I, I think how he performs in the next couple of games will maybe serve us 
better indication as to the status of the elbow, but I think it's as healthy as it's been since the injury. All right, we got to take a break because when we come back, we've got our ESPN fantasy football expert, Field Yates, joining us to give us his Week 13 Ultimate Fantasy lineup next here on One Bills Live. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on a game day Thursday and bringing in, as we do every week, to get your fantasy lineup right. It's the expert from ESPN. Field Yates joining us for week 13. We're inching closer to playoffs here, Field, for fantasy footballers. We are, Brownie, and here's the good news. If you're not doing so well in your season-long league, you get to go ahead over to FanDuel and make a daily fantasy lineup. You're sitting you're saying to yourself, I just didn't quite make the playoffs or whatever the circumstances might be. Instead, you've got 50000 bucks to spend, fake $50,000, of course, in your draft, excuse me, your FanDuel lineup here, as we'll get into just now. Well, perfect. Let's get us started then. I, and I was checking it out before we came on the air, and Trevor Lawrence is on the menu. We haven't seen him yet this year. And now with the surging Jaguars, you're getting him in the lineup. That's right, Steve, and he's got a great matchup. You're going to notice a few players from the same team this week because the matchup is just so good. And Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars travel up to Detroit, a place that you guys are very familiar with as the Bills have played two games and won both of them at Ford Field, of course. You guys are also aware that that Lions defense may be frisky, but not exactly deeply talented, which is why Trevor Lawrence is 7500 bucks, cracks my lineup. More to come from the Jaguars in just a bit. But I'll take it right into the running backs in the interest of time here because I'm paying up for two guys who I think could have significant days this upcoming week. Great matchup for Josh Jacobs. Great matchup for Nick Chubb. Those two players are awesome every single week. But how about this? Josh Jacobs draws the Chargers, who are allowing the most yards per carry so far this season. He's priced at $9,500. 100 bucks more is Nick Chubb. The Houston Texans are by far the worst run defense in the NFL. It's not even close. It's like a 30 yards per game difference between them and everybody else. We know Deshaun Watson returns for Cleveland this week, but they might be up 24-0 at halftime without having really thrown the ball that much. So two expensive running backs, but it seems like the week to pay up for them. Uh, This is not a double dip. You're going triple dip here at receiver with your quarterback. That's Well, it's triple dip in the same game, and – Two guys that currently play for the Jaguars and one that used to play for the Jaguars. So Zay Jones (laughs) and DJ Chark, all three players who either currently or previously played for the Jaguars. And they're all in this game between the Lions and the Jags. Zay Jones priced at $6,400. Christian Kirk priced at $7,500. And DJ Chark priced at $5,300. It's about as getting as much exposure to this game as possible, Zay Jones has 24 targets over the past two weeks. Been a nice player for Jacksonville. I mean, you guys obviously remember the beginning of his career, and he couldn't quite find his footing in Buffalo, but he's been a much improved player uh, in his various stops since then. Christian Kirk got paid a bunch of money, and the Jaguars paid him a bunch of money to throw him the football a whole lot. He has been a very busy man for Trevor Lawrence this season. And then DJ Chark, back from IR. You guys saw him last week. What does he do really well? He is extremely fast. If he gets one or two big plays, that'll more than pay off the $5,300 price tag. And then let's head to the tight end and the flex position as you're getting finally getting away from the Detroit-Jacksonville game. 
That's right. And Logan Thomas uh, at tight end, 5,000 bucks. You know, tight ends are a really tricky spot in fantasy football. You know, there are, there's really one guy at the top of the food chain. That's Travis Kelsey. Mark Andrews, not that far behind. And there are a few guys that are kind of in the next tier, but it's really hard to find great tight ends. And so the price points make it pretty tricky. So Logan Thomas is just a reasonable option. He's been playing a whole bunch of snaps recently for the commanders. So that's kind of the, the impetus for having having him in my line with $5,000. And then Elijah Moore for the Jets, who he played 21 snaps last week. And if you're sitting there saying to yourself, 21 snaps is not a whole lot. Well, it is much more than what he was playing in the weeks prior to that. As Elijah Moore had just faded from the Jets offense entirely. Uh, I think having Mike White in the lineup makes this passing offense more prolific. It's against a Minnesota defense that I think you can throw the football against. He's priced at $5,700. I like myself some Elijah Moore in that flex option. Yeah, so that's a question I've got for you, Field, because when you have a quarterback change like that, are you just pretty much flying by the seat of your pants? Are you going back to training camp reports? Who got reps with who in training camp to determine who's going to get the bulk of the volume? I mean, obviously, you're expecting Garrett Wilson's to still get the bulk of the volume, but a change at quarterback can dramatically impact, in this case with the Jets, for example, a guy like Elijah Moore or a guy like Tyler Conklin. Um, how do you kind of assess and make you know, educated guesses, if you will, as to who would be the best answer. Yeah, so Moore played 21 snaps, as I mentioned last week, and had just two catches. One of them did find the end zone. My expectation is going to play more. He's kind of worked his way out of the doghouse uh, in New York. I mean, he requested a trade, and then he sort of backed off that request. It's been a very curious year for him uh, in New York, to say the least. I'm just sort of going with the gut, though, here, Brownie, is that Second-round pick last year who looked like he was going to be the Jets' number one wide receiver for some period of time. They ended up drafting Garrett Wilson. That was not the case. And Mike White, you know, is he a more talented player than Zach Wilson? It's probably a bit of a subjective question. You know, Zach Wilson, the number two overall pick for a reason. But he's played a whole lot better than Zach, and the offense seems a lot more competent with Mike White under center. And, of course, you, you took and last remaining pick was the Chicago Bears defense picking playing against the Green Bay Packers, who picking any defense against the Green Bay offense in years past has been an absolute no-no. My, how things have changed. They sure have. And, you know, obviously right now we don't know whether Aaron Rodgers will play on Sunday. It sure sounds like he will. That being said, I mean, this Packers offense has not exactly been the scariest one to defend so far this season. But this would be one that you could easily pivot off of if we get word that Aaron Rodgers is available on Sunday. You know, defenses will routinely tell you to not pay up for them. As a result of that, if Aaron Rodgers plays and you're uncomfortable, not only do you have $3,200 to spend, but we left $300 in the bank to go pivot to somebody else who's slightly more expensive. If you stick with the Bears or a team priced at the same point, then you can put that $300 to a Christmas gift for Brownie and Steve. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. Um, yeah. What do you ask? Would you? For? Yeah, I, man, World I don't peace. need anything. I'm fine. Uh <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get Steve uh, better. We're gonna get Steve two tickets to a Sabres game. Uh, well, we already got he's him, fine the there. I got he's some. Got I got two. Tickets. He's got season tickets. I got two tickets for tonight. You want them? Because I can't go. Yeah, yeah. you can't he, go. I'll he's got to work. Thompson jersey. Uh, one of the, what are they? What are they calling the uh, the new the new uniforms this year? Like the reverse logos. Those are awesome. Yeah, reverse retro. Reverse I think. retro. retro. Yeah. Rays yeah. they use. So real quick before we let you go, Field. Uh, the Patriots just look like a team that tries to hold the opponent under 20 points, play solid defense, hope they can find some hidden yards and special teams. 
and that Ramondre Stevenson can do enough to get them, you know, 17 to 20 points and win a football game, knowing the high powered potential of the bills offense, are they just going to like, we were talking about this 10, nothing after the first quarter in favor of the bills. That's a win for the Patriots. Cause they're kind of slowing down the, the bills scoring potential. I would think. Yeah. You know, the, I think the Patriots offense may be a little bit better than that. They showed some signs last week against the Vikings. Uh, they were actually playing pretty well. And here's the, here's the Patriots have done well. The Patriots have moved the football fairly well between the twenties. They have not been a good red zone offense though. Yeah. And that's the product. That's the kind of stuff that gets you in trouble against a great team like Buffalo. So if they can convert in the red zone, this will be a competitive game tonight. If they can't, then it won't be. I, I know that we have a million different ways we can analyze every single game this upcoming Sunday, but against the bills, you can't set up for field goals. That's a very simple way. I know, but I think it's also a very important way. So tonight is a red zone driven game and a third down driven game. As you guys know, the Patriots have failed to force a punt of the bills in the past two games that they have played. So if the bills are as successful on third down as they have been over the past two games, this game will be like it was during the past two meetings. Yeah. I, I All right. Think also thanks. The, uh, yeah, good stuff. Feels. Thanks. All yeah. right, guys. I'll talk to you again next week. Happy December. All right, th- that, yeah, happy December. We're happy already December. there. It's the ultimate fantasy lineup for week 13, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. That's Field Yates helping you with your lineup again this week. We will take a break. Steve and I back with plenty more. Coming up next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on a game day Thursday, which is why we are taking tailgate Friday and moving it to Thursday, which is presented by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Western New York, the official health care plan of the Buffalo Bills. So what are your plans? What is your tailgate menu look like tonight? We go to the tailgate Thursday tweet sheet and Dawn leads us off. She says, Pizza, beer, and a lot of snacks. Watching both the Bills and the Sabres. You know, Steve, I was kind of wondering about this. So my son last week, he's home for Thanksgiving, and he wants to watch the Michigan-Ohio State game, but at the same time, he wants to watch his Georgia Bulldogs against Georgia Tech. They're playing at the exact same time. He takes, he tells me, hey, Dad, can we use the TV we use out on the patio in the summer and just bring it into the living room. So I had to set that thing up on the floor. And then he was watching the other, he was watching both games on two TVs. I wonder how many Buffalo fans are doing that tonight with the bills and the Sabres. Well, now that you mentioned it, I'm going to do that. I, <laughs> I hadn't thought about it, but okay. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I have to be here where I'm sitting in this chair. As soon as the game ends. So I'll watch right. the first part of it. And the saves should be about two-thirds, maybe deep into the second period, maybe even the third period at 8.20 when the Bills game kicks off. So, you know, you'll have that kind of overlap. But I'm going to be – yeah, i got to be here after the game. So I'll be at the house watching both as well. Yeah, and you can never go wrong with pizza, beer, and a lot of snacks. Uh, Carly – on the tailgate Thursday tweet sheet says the Holy Trinity of pizza wings and sponge candy. Now, I don't know who threw that into the Holy Trinity. Um, 
I don't even know if that's a trinity that's as good as Mo, Larry, and Curly. Well, the pizza and wings go together. Well, uh, yes, I Man, think it's like the, peanut I butter think, and jelly. I would. I don't want to be. I don't want to be finger quote sacrilegious, but it, to me, it's be- pizza, beer, and wings. Beers in the middle of that. Yeah, the the sponge, sponge candy, candy is, is an not, odd decision. Is not deity to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a it's it's a unique candy to Buffalo. We all know this, so maybe she's she's trying to go with the Buffalo angle there. But I think if you ask most Buffalonians, what are you having with pizza and wings? I think the Carly, unfortunately, beer. might be in the minority there. The yeah. beer would be unequivocally the most popular response. Yeah. I mean, if we're doing the family feud and the top three answers are on the board, <laughs> sponge, candy. Know sponge candy makes it. <laughs> sponge candy does not make, excuse me. I don't think it does, but that's what Carly's doing. And okay, more power to you. Uh, Elizabeth, I like the female Respond. I like. I love getting the the female point of view yeah. here. We're better. Uh, yes, we're better because we we're get a lot of that. guys. Uh, so Elizabeth says, pregame at a Myrtle Beach Bills backers bar, clam fritters with Josh Allen hot sauce, pizza, and Cape Cotters, followed by Labats. Well done there at the Myrtle Beach Bills backers bar. I like everything on there. Now. Are you familiar with Cape Cotters? Are we talking lobster there? Is that what we're I supposed don't know. to assume I think that is? That may be a unique dish to that restaurant, as far as I know. I couldn't tell you. Right. But I would assume Cape Cotters are a New England yeah, staple. Gotta be. gotta be, right? I'm wondering if that's, is that slang for a lobster or something else, some other kind of seafood. It could be. I, I don't know, because you already got, she's already got too. the clam fritters there. It could be like codfish. Uh, it could be codfish. Like a fish fry. Fish fry or something. Hold on. I got a, I, we might have a, an answer here. Might uh, have to do a might Google be a, search Oh, it might that. be a drink. Oh. Uh, Cape Codders might like a, be a Like drink. a Long Island iced tea. It's yeah. native to Cape Cod. Okay. Also, and I, I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole, but I had this huge debate. Uh, with a crew, with my CBS crew for years, uh, Labatt Blue is is obviously a staple here um, in Western New York. Um, do you always put an S on the end of that name, or is it just Labatt? Um, I think I tend to put an S on it. Everybody tends to put an S about on it. it. I'm asking, is it proper? Because we had a huge debate. I don't know because it's Labatt Blue. And that's you know kind of the right kind of the uh, fallback brew for most tailgates around here. Not all of them, obviously. There's a ton of good beers. Yeah, out there. And plus IPAs. All I don't want. This isn't an advertisement. Or anything. I'm just saying. I we got into a knockdown drag out argument. Well, they're one myself. of our beer sponsors. We're yes, okay. myself and Andrew Catalan, my my co you know co guy in the booth in the preseason and and with CBS for a lot of years, got into a knockdown drag out with a Notre Dame graduate, Steve Berline. Uh, who he thought the natural and only way you say it is Labatt's. <clears throat> and I said, read the label. And there we went. We were off in a, in a knockdown dragout fight. So uh, he believes the S is has to be on the end of it. It's not true. Okay. Well, and, and it's funny because now that I'm thinking more about this as you're talking, I'm saying to myself, when I go up to the bar and I'm looking to, I usually get, if I'm getting Labatt's, I will often go the light variety. Right. But now that I'm thinking about it, 
I don't even say LeBets. I don't either. <laughs> Can I get a blue say, light? Give me a blue please? light. Yeah, I, I get <laughs> I don't it. Don't even say. I it. know. I know. I'm just saying that some people are are kind of passionate about it. I I tend to be the one to get. I I tend to want to get it right. But yeah, I I, I so know a, I'm not the only one that had that argument. So so a Cape Codder, Steve, just for the record, is apparently vodka cranberry. Oh, so okay. I was unaware that that was called that. I didn't. Uh, I've never heard that. Just say, give me a vodka cranberry. But yeah. okay, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, last submission from Connor. And this seems to be a theme this week. Beer, pizza, and some hot wings. See, now there's the third part of the triumvirate. See, there, yeah, that's beer, the- pizza, and hot wings. The best way to watch Buffalo stomp on the Patriots tonight. Let's go, Buffalo. Okay. So people kind of, I, I think, Steve, in the wake of Thanksgiving and all that entails in terms of preparation, a lot of people are keeping it simple this week. Well, um, I think there's an added. You know, there's a thing here too, Brownie. Midweek game, a Thursday game, not a weekend game. You know. Yeah, you don't have time to prepare. Yeah, and you're you got, working. You and... got the, the it's cleanup. Cleanup is a no fuss, no muss with pizza and wings, man. You put everything in the box yeah. and you throw the box out. You know, it's yeah, easy. and it's going to be a late night and yeah. all of that. It's you a, got work tomorrow. Gonna, and... The game ends at, at like eleven thirty tonight. Right. So, oof, you know, skip me. You know, skip yeah. it with the uh, pot of chili and all of that stuff you know you got to clean that up or put it in, or yeah. you know keep i think it or yes whatever. i think you're i think you're 100 right the fact that it's a week night it's a night game and you're a week removed from thanksgiving and all the preparation that that entailed you're just trying to keep it simple you and, tonight you're you going with the kiss be, philosophy keep it simple stupid. you and i should be have open up a pizza and wing joint today so we can take advantage of everybody who's ordering pizza and wings tonight <laughs> yeah right and then we can retire tomorrow. uh <clears throat> yeah, so that is tailgate Friday uh, as we do it every week. But this week on Thursday, and as we said, it is uh, brought to you by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Western New York, the official health care plan of the Buffalo Bills. We take a break here. But when we come back, former Bills tight end Scott Chandler is going to be joining us for our number two he played for Bill Belichick at the end of his career. We'll get his thoughts on tonight's game. And we may ask him a question or two for his thoughts on relocated Bill's game in Detroit part due since he was part of the first one and had a touchdown in that game and that big Monday night went over the Jets. Scott Chandler up next here on One Bill's Live. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Bills forced to burn their second time out. And fires end zone. He's got Chandler for the Buffalo touchdown. No snow! The one play that people remember about Scott Chandler more than any other. 
Uh, five of his nine seasons in Buffalo in the NFL, a short stint in New England as well. We'll talk to him about that in just a little bit with the game tonight, obviously on tap. But Scott, how the heck are you? And second of all, what were you thinking when you saw the Bills have another game relocated to Detroit because of the snow? First of all, yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you really just feel for the people of Buffalo. You know that they're ready for that and equipped for it, but it, it is, a, you know, quite the ordeal to go through. And, uh, you know, I think any time a home game gets taken away, it, it kind of stinks, but, you know, you make the best of it and go win the game. And the Bills are able to do that all times. Were you surprised at, uh, at how that game turned out? Not only the one that you caught the touchdown in, but then, you know, to see the Bills go back there. And this situation was unique in and of itself as well because they had another game there against Detroit five days later. Can you get your mind around what it would have been like as a player to do that, to go through two games, same stadium, on the road, that close together? What a weird situation. Yeah, I mean, just the, you know, the travel, I think, would have been difficult. Uh, but, you know, I think playing in the same stadium is, is not – a bad thing unless the turf stinks. Uh, you know, you, you just get more comfortable with your surroundings, allows you to play a little more free. I mean, I think that's why teams usually play better at home. They're still more comfortable. Now, now, if I remember right, Scott, you were one of the guys that had to get to the stadium via snowmobile for that game. Um, Tremaine Edmonds had to do the same exact thing. They actually had the Erie County Sheriff's Rescue Team Go and get him. I don't know if we've ever talked to you about what the snowmobile trip was like, but you were on the snowmobile, right, to get there? Yeah, and it was it was great because there was just some guy that was snowmobiling around town, and they flagged him down. They're like, hey, will you go pick up a few of the Bills players that live nearby <laughs> here? And he's like, yeah. Hey. You know, and, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I walk out there, I'm like, so how'd they get you? And he's like, oh, I was just driving by, and they flagged him down, asked me to come pick you guys up. I was like, hey, yeah, go Bills. So, you know, the, the ride there was great. You're just going to, you know, talk to the guy a, a little bit about, uh, you know, who he's picked up and those kind of things. And, you know, we had like five or six of us live on the same street. At that time, Eric would have lived a couple houses down. Orton was on the street. Garrison Sandborn, Dan Carpenter. Sammy was on the street. So he, he made quite a few other stops that day right after me. That's crazy. Well, Scott, we, we wanted to have you on because you're one of the, the guys who played for the Buffalo Bills and for the New England Patriots, and you look back on your time in Buffalo, a ton of your career was spent here, but you also did spend some time in New England. What are your thoughts about this rivalry and particularly about this game tonight? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's kind of flipped on its head here with, you know, Josh coming up and Tom going south. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about tonight. I think, you know, the Bills are a better team. Uh, they play well, take care of the ball. You know, I think that they've got the, both the defense and offensive uh, advantage. And, you know, they're going to have to stop the run. Stevenson's a, a good back. And when they're, you know, when they're physical and able to run the ball, then you have to play action shots. But, uh, you know, if we just take care of the ball and convert in the red zone, I think the Bills will win. So, Scott, climb into the mind of Coach Belichick for a second, if you could, having been around him, when he would face an opponent, and I realize Brady was a tremendous equalizer, even if maybe they were in a matchup where the other team was stacked with talent from the top to the bottom of their roster, but when he was in the instances where he might have been faced with an opponent that, you know, as you even stated yourself, has superior talent to his, what was his general approach, I guess, 
more often than not in those situations? Yeah, I think Bill's always going to try and take away your number one option. So, you know, look for look for a lot of attention to get paid to digs, which, you know, allows, uh, you know, Dawson Knox and, and Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie to be able to make plays, and, you know, be able to make plays in the running game, too. And, you know, I think that was part of why I, I was able to have success against the Patriots when I was with the Bills was because they were paying attention to Stevie. And, uh, you know, no, I just had a lot of good matchups that way. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, Stephon might have a, might have a tougher night. Maybe not. You know, he's, he's able to beat some double teams quite a bit still. But, uh, you know, I, I think that Bill usually starts with we're going to stop the number one guy. Yeah, and if, if that comes to be the case, certainly the Bills, if, if you take away a guy like Steph Diggs, you still have to deal with Josh Allen, his ability to extend the play. Uh, how – What's it? Give us a, a sense of it as a tight end and a guy on the inside where you're always going to be an option. What's it like when you look back and you have a quarterback that is never out of a play and you see a lot of plays that go off script and you have to have a plan for that? How much time and effort goes into having a plan when there is no plan, if you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, quite a bit. I was, I was lucky enough in college to play with a guy named Drew Tate who was – a little bit of Johnny football before Johnny football came around. And so, you know, the scramble drill was a real thing. And uh, you, you just learn kind of what your quarterback wants and, and his body language. And, you know, he, he might just give you a little flick of the head or a little hand and he wants you to go deep or he might, you know, give you a nod and want you to come back on the sideline. So those, those things are, you know, what all of the off season and training camp. And then obviously throughout the season, you just get into a, uh, a real, uh, you, you get on the same wavelength with one another and you're able to, to kind of read one another out. I had that with Fitz pretty well. You know, he and I kind of had the same idea of, of how things were going to go if we didn't read. Yeah, and, and for Josh, like basically his top four passing options have all been with him for at least three seasons. So I have to imagine those scramble rules, they kind of know like the back of their hand. Um how valuable is that against a team and a defense like the Patriots that, as you said, is pretty good at taking away, you know, what you want to do first and try to make you play left-handed. It sounds like based on the time this group has had together with Josh, they should be able to, to get to the second and third option if necessary. Uh, I mean, I think if you look at the bills offense, most of the problems have been self-inflicted, you know, that, they have all the personnel and, and schematic uh, ability to, to outplay most of the teams they play. It just, you know, it becomes that uh, ability to go execute all the time. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's where they'll continue to grow. Um, they, and they, you know, you see them when they, when they are executing, nobody's stopping. And uh, I think that, you know, that's, those are the kind of things that as you get towards this end of the season and trying to make a postseason run, you're going to be able to. When you get to a point, this point of the season, and and with the Bills, they've kind of had rode, ridden this roller coaster of injuries and guys getting healthy, and then a different group gets injured, and then another group. It's been sprinkled throughout their roster. They actually now seem to be getting to the point where they're a little healthier. Obviously, with a, a few notable exceptions. How do you uh, give us an idea of what you remember about having a season where you kind of got to keep rolling, trying to win games when you're not a hundred percent on all cylinders? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the, one of the biggest things in the NFL is, you know, how good the, the guys are able to step up because there's going to be injuries. Uh, you know, you hope they're not in key positions or, you know, in, in key matchups. But, 
it's going to happen at some point. And, uh, you know, you've just got to keep your whole team ready to play. And, uh, you know, that's where guys who have been playing special teams for weeks and weeks, you know, have to step in and be able to make plays. Like, you know, like you've seen guys like AJ Klein able to step in and just, you know, uh, step in and play well. And, uh, you know, obviously you like having guys like Milano and, Trey and, and Edmonds out there, but, you know, when a guy can step in and play well like that, you know, uh, who was, I think he was with, the, you know, not even with the team all year, uh, able to step in and, and play in a system he knows. That's Those are the kind of things that uh, elevate teams from being good teams to great teams and, uh, and you know, really play a vital part in uh, seeding in the playoffs and who gets home field advantage. Yeah. I would say probably your guys' 2011 team comes to mind with the injury bug because you guys were rolling and then Fitz has the rib injury, Fred breaks his leg, a couple other guys go down and, you guys just didn't have the same kind of depth that maybe this roster has now. Um, and speaking of that roster, you're going to have Eric Wood in the radio booth. Fitz is doing the Amazon thing. How wild is it to see Fitz doing, doing games on Thursday night, pregame and postgame now? I just want him to dress up like Deshaun Jackson every week. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, the stuff he's got going. I, I need him to bring the chains out of him. He's been doing a great job, though. You know, it's fun to watch those guys. Uh, you know, both those guys are some of the smartest guys that I've played with, and, and you know, Eric and, and Fitz. And, you know, you, you know that they're going to have success uh, in whatever they do, so it's fun to watch them uh, having success around football. How do you think – what are your thoughts about this game tonight? How do you think it's going to go? What, uh, what kind of personality is this game? Is this – I mean, these teams play twice a year. This is the first time they've met. We kind of have a handle on what these two teams are. This deep into the season, getting their first matchup – is way different than when you meet him in week one or week two of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think from a New England perspective, they're going to want to run the ball and, and control the clock and, you know, just keep the ball in Josh's hands as much as possible. And, uh, you know, I, I think if if the Bills are able to stop the run early, uh, and, you know, I think they're going to have to have some success running the ball too, whether that's, you know, through Singletary, Cook, or, or Josh. And, uh, but... I just think ultimately it's going to come down to if the Bills are able to protect the ball and, and get a couple stops on defense, they're going to have too much. And uh, you know, I think that, I think the Patriots are still just rebuilding a little bit. Yeah, tend to, and they're probably going to have to find out by the end of the season whether they want to continue with Mac or make a change there with a couple of decent quarterback drafts coming up as well. All right, Scott, listen, thanks for joining us here on game day. We appreciate it. Uh, we look forward to catching up with you down the line, but uh, enjoy the game tonight. All right. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. Go Bills. Thanks, Go Scott. Bills. Yeah. That's uh, former Bills tight end, Scott Chandler, who knows all too well about Snowvember after that game that they uh, had, what was that back in 2014? If my memory serves me properly. Uh, and then, the Bills had to do it all over again just two weeks ago. And uh, we forgot to mention this to Scott, Steve, but uh, Deion Dawkins replicated Scott's celebration after the game was over in the end zone with fans. So uh, his celebration may be even more popular now than it was seven years ago. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, we we uh, look at the remaining schedule there, Steve, and we know this three-game division slate's coming up. Um it's important, man. It's going to pretty much spell it out the rest of the way here. Absolutely. The, the, at the end of these three games, you would think that they're going to have a real handle on uh, what they're looking like going forward. Now, if, even if they win all three games, 
Uh, they're still – I doubt they'll have anything sewed up, a playoff spot or anything else. They'll be 11-3 and three at that point if they can win all three of those games. I, I don't know that that's going to tell us too much with three games remaining. You know what I mean? I, um, I think it'll still be up in the air as to what the seeding will gonna, are going to be. They'll still – if they keep yeah. winning out, they're still going to be in the conversation for the one seed. But they still are going to be only probably in the conversation for the division title too, depending on what happens with the, the Dolphins. So – uh, other division games got to take place. And after these three games, they still got to play the Bears, Bengals, and Patriots again. So, yeah, I, it, we're going to know how – we're going to have a real a, a much better view of the big picture after these three division games uh, than we do right now. But you got to think from this end of this three-game stretch, the way the other three teams are playing, you got to win all three. You've got to win all three. Uh, now, certainly, math- yeah, then, math- then you get your head above water, right? With the division record, right? Mathematically, you'd probably don't have to win all three. But man, oh man, from this end of it, you got to win all three. Well, yeah, and I think if you do, you kind of put yourself in the catbird seat because you know you're handing each of your division opponents at least one loss over that stretch. You drop New England to six and six, depending on what the jets do this week they could either be seven and four what are they they're seven and four right now so right. they could be they could either be coming in next week seven and five or eight and four yeah the so jets you can yeah. hand them their fifth or sixth loss you know the jets I mean? have, the jets have got the vikings this week uh and oh then, yeah and That's then the not Bills. An easy game Right. So the and right you know like you said they're seven and four but they, even if they're eight and four coming into Buffalo that's that's a, a giant game still. Um, yeah. And then, you know, of course, the, the Dolphins. I mean, the Bills are chasing the Dolphins down ever since week three. Uh, but they've got the char- the Niners and the Chargers coming up next do the Dolphins. Um, yeah. What do you what do you what do you think of Coach McDaniel's approach? I don't know if you saw this, but he's keeping the team out on the West Coast all week. So they play the Niners on Sunday, and then they're staying out there on the West coast all week in LA before they play the chargers the following Sunday. Well, I'm, I'm not going to question McDaniels, you know, his ability to keep his hand on the pulse of that team. I think he probably gets them and want, probably wants to do that. And he probably feels good about doing it. Uh, there's probably a little bit of good in that, getting them out of the, getting them on a business trip and keeping them focused uh, day in, day out while they're out there. The weather will be fine. They'll be able to get good practices in. They'll get acclimated. They'll get get a chance, particularly with the Chargers game, they'll get a chance to get on that time zone. It'll be a game that takes place at 8.15 um, East Coast time. Yeah, that's it, the game that got flexed. Yeah, it's only going to be 5.15 in Miami. So, But by, by them staying out there a week, it'll feel more normal to them. So I, I wouldn't question his – getting that right, um, but you still got to go out there and execute it and stay focused for the entire week and not get distracted and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, so we'll see. But uh, I don't have a problem with it. Um, it's going from Miami to San to L.A. for that game or going from Miami to San Francisco then to L.A. Um, for a week is different than Buffalo going to Detroit. I mean, we all know that. Buffalo to Detroit is, right. a, is a cab ride. So yeah. The thing I was wondering about it was I'm wondering, you know, McDaniel obviously knows the 49ers organization intimately having been 
a former assistant there. I wonder what the factors were that went into that decision. Obviously, travel time, back the back and forth, crisscrossing the country. You'd prefer not to do that. I know a lot of West Coast teams typically stay east when they have two Eastern time zone opponents in a row on the road. Uh, we know that uh, Jim Harbaugh did that when he coached the 49ers. He would stay on the East Coast in those situations. And I can't remember if Kyle Shanahan's employed that. So he's just doing the reverse here. But I wonder if the opponent factored in. I think McDaniel and the Dolphins are probably anticipating a very physical game against, you know, the best defense in football right now in the 49ers who will rough you up. Uh, maybe it's better on bodies if you take what amounts to an hour flight from San Fran to L.A., instead of, you know, four hours yeah. back across the country and then another four hours back out for the next weekend. Well, I think the, th the question is, what reasons are there for McDaniels, for McDaniel to keep the team out there or to go out there and stay out there? What are there, what reasons we don't know about that we can't figure out for ourselves? Is there something, is there gamesmanship involved? Is there something about the Niners or is there something about L.A. or whatever that he wants to keep them out there? I, I doubt that because the Niners game is just a regular away game. They're going to fly in, yeah. play the game, fly out. Uh, the problem is when they – the difference is when they fly out, they're going to fly south to L.A., not to, not to Miami. Uh, so I doubt that San Francisco has any tactical advantage because he used to coach there or that he knows them or anything. I don't think that's the case. Uh, and I think staying out there – has everything to do with a five-hour flight back to Miami, getting acclimated, getting ready, and start <clears throat> getting started uh, back into the game tape for the Chargers. I think it really has to do the, – the only issue with it is getting the right setup in L.A. for a week of work and a week of rehab, a week of treatments, a week of medical attention – it's baths. a lot of logistics. Yes, it's big. And I don't know what facility they're thinking about using while they're there. Are they going to go to USC? Are they going to go to Cal, yeah, I, UCLA? Uh, you know what I mean? Are they going to go to one of these other right. cities or one of these other these college campuses, which is kind of apropos. You know, a lot of t colleges like doing it because it gives them a, a recruiting. So, yeah, well, the, you know, the Miami Dolphins use our facilities when they come to town, that kind of thing. So there's plenty yeah. of people who would offer it up. But would it really work? And how many of your staff are you taking out there? Because the Bills take, I don't know, a good chunk of people with them, but they don't take everybody on the road. Right. Actually, the uh, the Bills did that when Chan Gailey's 2012 Bills stayed out west at San Fran and then at Arizona. They stayed a week in Arizona basic, Resort, yeah. Right, right. And then they did all of their practice stuff at Arizona State in Tempe right. uh, that whole week. And – they actually practiced in a practice bubble because it was even still too hot then uh, to be outside doing whatever as they got ready for their game it's perfectly, against the Cardinals. It's perfectly fine. I mean, you know, not that it's not fine. It's perfectly okay to, to do all that as long as you can get your guys. It depends on how easy it is to get in and around meetings, move to and from your room to practice, from practice back to the to the – you know, the medical facilities, whatever they are, the, you know, the ice baths, the, the training staff, all that, how, you know, how hard is it to do that? How quickly can they get the players acclimated? Because they still got to concentrate on getting ready for their next opponent. 
you know, and it's, it's hard to do that in strange environment, you know, because you got all this other stuff that's distracting you. Well, like, like, where's my locker? You know, like, where's my locker every day? Where's, you know, all that stuff. It's, it sounds minute and small, but it's really important for these guys to get into this routine. So I think if you could convince a guy like McDaniel that they're going to have it smooth and sailing, and, and I wouldn't be surprised either, Brownie, that if, if they may send people straight from Miami to L.A. who aren't going to San Francisco for that game and get everything set up before they actually show up. Oh, I would say that's almost right? definite. you like, got to do that. You've got to do that. I'm just surprised that a first-year head coach is trying to pull that off. That's the only thing. Well, he's got people in the building that are – you know, not new right. to this. Um, and it's not, I mean, it's not, <clears throat> let's face it, it's not complicated. But you got to you got to know who to call, right? I mean, you got to know what, you know, hey, I need, you know, I need six hot tubs and whatever, whatever, all over at this place, you know. If you're doing it at the hotel or they're doing it at the, at the ho- college. And it may be, too, that McDaniel has some relationships with UCLA or USC or wherever it is they're going to do it, you know. Hey, yeah. and, and they got, I got you, bro. I, I'm, you're all set up. Well, they probably got people at the college that have some NFL experience, all that kind of stuff. But, yes, it is a, it's a lot of stuff to get done for an NFL team moving into your facility for five or six days and being efficient. That's hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mc, I don't know. One I, other- it doesn't surprise me that McDaniel's doing that, though. He seems like that kind of guy. Doing it the smart way, which yeah, I think this is the smart way. A very way. planned person. Yeah. Um, we will take a break here. When we come back, we will open the OBL mailbag with your questions. And also, we will tell you there is one former Bill who could see the field tonight for New England if the offensive tackle injury situation does not pan out well for the Patriots heading into tonight's kickoff. We'll tell you who that is when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Hey, everybody. Tonight's game sponsor is Lecom. Lecom, we make doctors. Steve, as we said before the break, the Patriots are precariously thin at the offensive tackle position. Left tackle Trent Brown added to the injury report today as questionable with an illness. He's been sick two of the last three weeks, did not play in the Jet, did not start the Jets game, came in and was used sparingly against the Jets in that game. And then right tackle Isaiah Wynn, we already know, is out for tonight's game, going to miss a second straight week with a foot injury. His backup, who's expected to start at right tackle tonight, Yadni Kayust, is questionable with a calf injury. Marcus Cannon, who used to step in for Isaiah Wynn, is on IR because he's in concussion protocol. So who would that leave if any of those three cannot play tonight? None other than former Bills backup offensive tackle Connor McDermott who was signed off the Jets practice squad after the Patriots had to put Marcus Cannon on IR with the concussion. Connor McDermott making another appearance. How many, what a year is this for him? I don't even know. I think it's, it's like 37, 32. I mean, he's been playing since he's been playing. <laughs> you can't since, get rid of him. He's been playing since uh, the late nineties, right? Connor McDermott. I, uh, <clears throat> he I know is, it uh, seems that way, but yeah. uh, he has bounced around, um, 
Yeah, more than, than a Super Bowl. Mostly the AFC East is where he's bounced around. Yeah, well, you know, he's sick. He's one of those guys. He's a 6'8", 300-plus pound guy who's pretty athletic. Um, never really found a home, though, for any of these teams that he's been with. You know, at least not a – Yeah. Um, he's a career backup. That's what he is. Yeah, uh, for whatever reason that is, whether he's, whether he's not strong enough or maybe not that athletic enough that he can stay there. But, he's you know, he's a 6'8 guy, so it's hard to swing him down inside to, ta- to guard. Um, yeah. So – uh, maybe that's maybe that's his lot in life. But if if he gets on the field tonight, uh, it's because you know one of the thing the scenarios you've said happen. You know the calf injury happens, uh, the the illness becomes worse, or um, you know or, or something else. So it, it's yeah, he's on the menu, no question. Yeah, and we should also mention that with this game being on a Thursday night, both the Bills and the Patriots have until 4 p.m. today to make any practice squad elevations if they so desire. So there is still time for them to do that if they feel it's necessary. And I would tend to think, Steve, and I want to check right now real quick. I want to look at the Patriots practice squad, and they they have two guards on their practice squad and one tackle, Hunter Thedford. Is there a tackle who sounds like he belongs more at a tennis club uh, than he does as an offensive tackle with a name like that? My goodness. Hunter Thedford? Really? Hunter um, Sedford? If he, Hunt, Hunter Thedford. Okay. T-H-E-D. All right. um, he is on their practice squad. He's the only tackle on the practice squad. So if he gets elevated tonight, I think that's a strong indication that they don't think Yadni Kayust or Trent Brown will be able to go the whole way and then you're just one injury away from having a, a, a break glass in emergency situation there. Um, yeah. So but- I think if there is a practice squad elevation before four o'clock and Hunter Thedford is one of them, uh, we'll know that Trent Brown is very iffy tonight. Well, Hunter Thedford, no, Hunter Thedford is, well, he's listed as a tight end. Oh, on the okay. roster, I've got I him see. listed as an offensive tackle this here. Hold says, on, let me on, check. I'm looking at the practice squad on the NFL site, and it says Hunter Thedford's number, but he is number 68 in your program. Yeah, listed. As, I think he's a tackle. Yeah. This okay. This this says TE. Maybe they just added the six six two sixty. First year out of Utah. Wow. Yeah. They've got Hayden Howerton. Yeah, I see. He's, they list him as a tight end, too, here. I'm now, I was looking at an online roster, and it had him listed as a tackle. Now, here, I'm looking at the only the, pure O-lineman the, they've the got. The weekly release of the Patriots, and they have him listed as a tight end, too. They've so got a couple a of O-linemen other than him. Uh, one would be Bill Murray. They're, this guy, this is like a 6'4", 265. Bill Murray. Yeah. The names are fantastic. I know, yeah. He's two six four. He's only two sixty-five <laughs> though, so he may be um and then the other O lineman is a guard, uh Hayden Howerton, who's six three, three hundred. He's a rookie out of SMU. Uh any of these guys yeah. would be emergency activations. If that happens, you know, yeah, you got you know, you're gonna have to make it work with those guys. Uh, yeah, I think what they would do in that situation, let's just assume that McDermott's starting. Cayuse is hurt. Brown can't finish. McDermott probably goes to left tackle. They would probably kick Mike Onwenu out to tackle the right guard. He's played some tackle in his career, and then you bring the young kid up from the practice squad. You plug him in at guard and pray for 
it all working. Right. You got yeah. Their their linemen are certainly um, yeah. I mean, the first guy up is you know Dave Andrews is their center, eight year yeah. guy out of Georgia. But he's questionable tonight too. Right. And then they go down through you know they got like you said Trent Brown, Cayuste, uh, James Ferentz, Michael Winu, Cody Rusi, Russi, Rusi. Cole Strange, our good old friend from the first round of last year. Isaiah Wynn, who's out. Uh, and then they got Connor McDermott. That's our it. Our good friend. <laughs> <clears throat> so there you go. I mean, um, I, I don't know how big a factor all these guys are going to be. They're going to they'll, the, they're gonna have them coached up. We've seen this too many times. We've seen this movie too many times not to think that the Patriots are going to come in and, and roll over. Uh, despite what happened in that playoff loss last year in Buffalo and even the game in Foxborough last year, this is not a team that goes away. And uh, I, and I, I, I think we're not going to do it today because we're almost out of time, but you almost kind of want to do take the temperature of the Bills fans about how much angst still remains about this game. This is a Bills team, and we've been here for you know 12 games now this year or 11 games now this year. The Bills are the better team. How much better are they going to have to be to win this game tonight? Uh, how well, how much of 100% of their abilities are they going to have to reach to win this game? Because if they reach 100% of the bil- their abilities, I've said it before, they ain't nobody beating them. Not the Chiefs, not the Baltimore Ravens, not the Niners, not the Eagles, nobody. But we've seen them you know, win by three, you know, win by six. Uh, how close to 100% are they going to have to play tonight, and will they? Now, you know, we you keep chewing this up. Josh shows up on primetime games. So does Steph. You'd like yep. to see – you'd like to think Von Miller has rubbed off on Greg Rousseau and A.J. Epinesa and Shaq Lawson and, and Ed Oliver say, hey, guys, this is – the lights are on. Let's – this is when you show it. Ed, this is the this is a Thanksgiving game, you know. <laughs> Go out and get Defensive Player of the Week. And this, by the way, we didn't notice that uh, Tyler Bass is Defensive Special Teams Player of the Month for the AFC. Yeah, for November. It's, you know, so Tyler Bass, tip your hat to that guy. Uh, they got the Bills have got some people, and if they play their best, we can all put our feet up and eat wings and drink beer and eat pizza, you know. So. But, you know, we have not, because of the injuries that have been scattered around the roster, we haven't really looked like that team 100%. Yeah. I'd like to know what the temperature of the, the fan base is, you know? Yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, let's go to the OBL fan mailbag as we do that a day early with the game here on Thursday night. And Nick's, Nick asks, have we seen enough of Xavier Rhodes in action to properly assess his play? With our secondary struggling, I'm wondering if he should get more playing time. Well, as we know, Rhodes is now on the active roster. They put Christian Benford, as Steve mentioned earlier, on injured reserve, which opened up a roster spot. Rhodes was elevated from the practice squad to the active roster. And essentially, he's your fourth corner going into the game tonight. And you know, Tredavious White, in all likelihood, is probably not going wire to wire uh, from start to finish tonight. So you have Tredavious White and Dane Jackson starting. When White rotates out, it's presumably Kyrie Elam. I suppose it could be Rhodes. Um, 
Rhodes did get some time on the field last week before Elam did. Now that I'm thinking about it. So I think it'll be interesting to see what the choice is there after White's night is done. Yeah, I think this rolls into the 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 I think this comes into more about what's going on with Trey White than it does with Xavier Rhodes and Dane Jackson. I think it's about Trey White. If Trey Well, I I know what you're saying, Steve, but at the same time, Dane Jackson's had a rough go of it the last couple of games. He's been picked on and he's been giving up touchdowns. So I think that's where Nick's question stems from. Yeah, that's a, I get you. Um yeah, maybe. I don't know. I You think they're you think they're really three guys if if let's say Tredavious White takes every snap. So you think there's three guys that are neck and neck, Dane Jackson, Kyrie Elam, and Xavier Rhodes and they don't know who they want to play. Well, no, I'm not saying that. I'm I'm wondering if the recent play of Dane Jackson, I mean the passer rating against was 129 last week. And he, you know, he gave up another touchdown. They were clearly targeting him in the first half of the game. Um, when does the defensive staff say, hey, maybe we should look at a change. Let's put a veteran in there. Xavier Rhodes, been there, done that, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, you know, it's a fair question from Nick. I, I, I don't know if they've seen enough of him in a regular season game to know. He got a few series last week, if I remember right. I get it. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but here's the thing. If you don't know if you've got somebody that's better, anybody you put there, whether it's Kyir Elam or Xavier Rhodes, you don't think they're going to get picked on too? They will. Right away. Well, right. Right away. They're all, anybody they put over there is going to get picked on. So, you know, pick your poison. And whether they just want to give a different look uh, and try and get a matchup they like, because it might be that uh, Dane Jackson will match up with somebody on the Patriots roster pretty good, but he – can't get matched up with him because they move the guy away or Kair Elam will match up with the guy pretty good or Xavier Rhodes. Likewise, they may like the matchup with certain guys on the Patriot roster, but they can't guarantee they're always going to get that matchup. So they're trying to mix and match all the way through, you know, series by series to get a handle on what the Patriots are doing. Um, that, and we're all saying this in actuality if, as if Trey White's taking every snap on the other side and not getting picked on. So, if Trey White's not going to play and you've got Kyir Elam out there with Dane Jackson or Xavier Rhodes and Kyir Elam or Xavier Rhodes and Dane Jackson, I mean, somebody's getting picked on. Uh, you, I, I, you know, that's, that's a huge unknown for us especially, and I don't even know if the Bills have a handle on it. Yeah. Quickly, Ed asks, are we going to see ground and pound or high-octane offense tonight? I would tend to think the Bills are going to do what they do, which is throw the football, although the run game has made some distinctive strides the last couple of weeks. I mean, they're over 160 yards the last three games. They've they found some consistency in the run game, I think, more than anything else. So they might go to that on occasion, but they still are what they are, right? You're not changing your identity. No, you don't need to you... – you're not going to run out there afraid to try and throw the football against the Patriots. They're going to do what they do. And then if it works, then they're going to see if they can work on their game on their run game and see if they can get that up to snuff in the second half of this game while their Patriots are desperate to catch up and trying to get them off the field that way. You know, you know, that's what you hope happens. You get up by three scores, 17 points or, you know, uh, 15 points or whatever. And, 
start handing it off more when you actually would have thrown it otherwise. But, yeah, you do it the opposite way. You don't come out and run the football, get a big lead, and then what, run the football? No. The Bills are going to be who they are. Are you going to take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands on a Thursday night football game going into New England? No. They're going to they're yeah. come in and sling it. They got perfect conditions for it tonight. It's going to be you know low twenties or mid twenties, no wind, clear night. Dude, they're going to run. They're going to they're going to throw it all over the yard. Go get them. Um, all right, we got to take a break here. When we come back, we'll wrap things up with building a game plan. That's next here on One Bills Live. Okay, it's time for us to build a game plan presented by United Rentals. United Rentals is the exclusive and official construction equipment rental partner of the Buffalo Bills. Steve, for the offense, I think it's about starting fast, you know, and that means throwing the football. So I'm for them doing that and, you know, getting up early and not making them think they can hang with them. Yeah, and I think defensively you want to just stop the run, get this game in the hands of Mac Jones, see if he can beat you. All right, that's building a game plan. Steve and I are done for day. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. to wrap it all up.